1: and welcome to episode 355 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Sunday, June 26th. Uh, it's about to be June 27th, though, on the East Coast. It's a very late edition of this podcast on the heels of a late-night game between the Braves and Dodgers. And Heather, here to break, break everything down about that game and the rest of the week. And let's just say a busy, kind of, not a terrible week of Braves action, but also not quite as satisfying as it could have been on Sunday nights. Scott Coleman is here. Hello, sir.
2: Hey Brad yeah the Sunday night's game was was tough maybe one of the the worst losses of the season just as close as the Braves were to picking up the series win over LA would have been really nice but hey they played seven games against two of the best teams in the league went four and three I think you're happy with that you've you've you're done with the Dodgers you're done with the Padres and then you just have the one series with the Giants left in. I think September. So it's good to get those really talented teams off the the schedule the rest of the way. And it's hard to be too mad when, when the team is 19 and five in June.
1: <laughs> yeah. So perspective necessary, obviously uh, a maddening result that we'll come back to later on in this game. Uh, not only just because of the way it all happened, but because of, uh, you know, it's, it's late at night, it's the Dodgers, it's, freddie it's kenley it's everything that happened at the end of that game but i'm glad you said that because it's obviously been a heck of a run still in june even sort of the microcosm um point about this week you know when eric and i recorded a week ago we were talking about four and three being a very very good result this week and i stand by that and it still becomes a four and three uh, positive result even if it probably should have been five and two or something like that yeah um this week so and, there you go. and
2: what i'll say in this before we dive into the week is whenever you win 14 in a row as as incredible as it was i think there was a i don't know if fair is the right word but it was against bad teams they won 14 games against maybe 5 of the 7 worst teams in the league and as we know it is so difficult to to pull off a streak like that but i think this week brought some validation as you noted 4 and 3 is not quite as good as what you wanted but I think more importantly than the record this month, the Braves are quite clearly a very good team. This is the team that I think we all expected them to be, even with the slow start out of the gate. And sometimes it is good to go up against the best uh, that the league can offer just as a measuring stick. I think it was a good measuring stick. And I'll take four and three against the good teams. And as long as you keep beating up on the bad ones, uh, you're going to have a chance at the end of the season.
1: Yep, that's about, uh, that's about right, and uh, obviously it's been a good run, and then generally speaking, they're still trailing the Mets, but it's been a positive performance for a few weeks now, at, at the very least, and we'll come back to that later on. Um, some news to hit on quickly here before we get to the actual results from the week, uh, as often, uh, probably, probably the headliner as of today is the injury to Ronald Acuna, who left the game in the ninth inning on Saturday with a foot issue of some kind. Uh, clean MRI, a clean MRI and x-rays. Um, he, he basically fouled the ball off his foot. Um, no fracture, which is a positive, but he couldn't put pressure on it on Sunday. Um, sort of a TBD as for Tuesday. The Braves do not play on Monday, so an extra day of rest probably well-timed for all parties involved, especially uh, especially Ronald. But, um, you know, a little bit of a frightening thing in that he was, uh, you know, not, he was kind of, I guess, on one of those scooters today and clearly a very valuable piece. Um, day-to-day is what they're saying. But, of course, anytime it's uh, it's Ron Acuna or someone like Matt Olson or uh, you know Dansby or Osiris, somebody that's prominent on the roster, and especially Ronnie, probably number one overall on that list, uh, you're a little bit uneasy until he comes back. But it seems like it's okay. Let's see.
2: Yeah, thank goodness. Structurally, there's nothing wrong. And, of course, anytime you're dealing with a bone bruise, the last thing you want to do is send Ronald out there and have him foul another ball off his foot because I think then you're just so much more likely to cause serious damage. So I obviously, if, if he's not able to walk on it, I know some folks were kind of questioning him being out and then he came into the dugout or the clubhouse rather, and said, yeah, I can't put any weight on the foot. It was pretty clear that he needed to sit tonight with the off day on Monday. Maybe he's back out there on Tuesday in Philly. That would be almost 72 hours for that foot to heal. Um, But yeah, again, I mean, we're in late June. There are bigger games on the horizon than Uh, One, even if you wanted to get the win in the series uh, finale against the Dodgers, it's it's certainly the smart move. And you're just thankful there's nothing really wrong and and hope to get him back next week.
1: Yeah, that's uh, well said. Beyond that, you have some rehab stints going on now for Eddie Rosario and Tyler Matzik. Uh, Rosario played, um, I guess, yesterday and today, uh, Saturday and Sunday, with Gwinnett. Um, obviously, an interesting piece that they paid to bring back, and he had the brutal start, which we talked about a lot, but um, hopefully Eddie Rosario is Eddie Rosario the good version when he returns, and Matzik, um, as we saw tonight, they probably use another arm, probably in the bullpen. Uh, not that it's been a weakness this year. It's still been a pretty resounding strength. But uh, it's getting a little bit thin at certain points in that bullpen. So, you know, not breaking any news here. They, they, they would be at their best if they were to have a healthy Rosario and a healthy Matzik, you know, I guess p- positive contribution from those guys. And uh, it seems like pretty soon. I mean, it wouldn't stun me if Rosario is back like this week because he seems to be kind of on track for that. But I'm not sure if I there's anything else to add on, on that. But uh, come back soon, fellas.
2: Yeah, it's going to help. I mean, it's funny how – Eddie was this God in the playoffs last year. And then he came back and I mean, for one, he literally could not see the baseball with, with (laughs) the, with the hole in his eyeball. Um, So I think everyone is kind of not soured on Eddie, but right. Like the, the impression we have is a guy who literally couldn't see the ball. And and now he's coming back and had a couple of hits with Gwinnett over the weekend. And it's going to be interesting to see how the outfield breaks out because uh, assuming Ronald is healthy and, God, let's hope so. Uh, You're not taking Michael Harris out of center field, who has been phenomenal out there. I mean, even just in the final couple innings tonight against LA, he had two just tremendous catches. Uh, So you're not taking him out of center field other than an occasional breather. Uh, But then left field, you have Adam Duvall, who was hitting better. Of course, when he, he left center field, he was hitting better, though he has quieted down a bit. The power still isn't there. Uh, as it's been in previous years. So you imagine that Rosario and Duval are going to split some time. Um, we'll see about the DH. You're, you're trying to get some at bats for William Contreras, Marcelo Zuna. If Eddie or Duval are hitting, you'd like to have their bat in there too. So it's not a, it's not a bad thing to have a couple of different options, but uh, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how the the playing time breaks out.
1: Yeah. And, you know, obviously it will be probably dependent on what they choose to do with Ozuna and how they handle all that stuff. That we talked about the last couple of weeks, but, um, you know, it becomes it's, it's not a good problem. It's not a problem at all. It's just a, it's a it's an interesting decision once Rosario is back. And um, when that comes, we will probably break it down in, in full. And hopefully everybody's healthy. And we kind of see what they want to do, because I'm with you. Like Michael Harris is not going anywhere. Uh, there was obviously some risk when They call Michael Harris up that it wouldn't, uh, that he wouldn't be the guy all year long, but that is uh now out the window. He'd have to, he'd have to go oh for a month, probably to go away, right? At this point, so yeah, uh, well, and
2: even even with the glove in center yeah. field, it, even if he went oh for a month, which doesn't seem likely, but. Even if he did, I think I'd keep running him out there just because of how good the glove has been.
1: Yeah, he had to be uh pache level at the plate um during his Braves tenure uh, to lose his job, probably. And that would be pretty ugly in some ways. So yeah, uh that's not
2: happening. I think it's Michael a, Harris is there to stay. Yeah, we're <laughs> I think we're all rooting for pache to be good out in Oakland, but go look at his numbers. They're not they're not good.
1: No, they're not. Uh that's okay. Um okay, last thing before we get to the results. This is very, very briefly, but the uh the all-star voting came uh the, the first voting returns came in over the last week um as a refresher or if you're a new listener to the podcast i speak for myself and i think for scott he can correct me and i think for eric as well uh we don't really care about the all-star game very much um that's not uh that's not to say we're like defiant about it but it's not something that we prioritize a ton um I, but i understand people do kind of at least want their guys to be around and you know roof of the braves to make it and that kind of stuff so um a lot of guys in the mix uh, in terms of voting, and obviously beyond the voting, they, you know, there are selections um, beyond the starters. But uh, the Braves had a bunch of guys. You know, Darno is second, uh, Ozzy is second, Dansby is second at shortstop. Matt Olson's in the top four, so is Riley. Ronnie is number two overall in the outfield and number two overall in the entire voting behind Mookie Betts in both categories. And uh, hilariously, um, Wild Bill Contreras number two in the National League at DH when he's played like a third of the season at DH. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, and also, because they won the World Series, Bryce Sticker is managing the All-Star game. So there is some intrigue. Uh, at the same time, I don't have, like, takes, especially not now. Maybe I'll have some opinions uh, as we get closer. And I'm sure there will there's almost always some pretty bad voting uh, selections or, or, you know, I guess managerial selections or whatever. But uh, as of now, just a broad update, just to say that a lot of guys are going to be in the mix. Uh, and also on the pitching side, you would imagine, like, Freed and Wright and those guys will be in the mix as well. Do you have takes on this or do you want to move on?
2: I'm going to, live on the podcast, I'm going to drop my all-star game ballot, okay? And I'm going to vote for all Atlanta Braves to (laughs) sit at home. I'm going to vote all Braves to sit at home, put their feet up on the couch, maybe go out to the lake, do some fishing, spend some time with their friends and family. I'm going to vote for them not to travel across the country to LA, like unless it's someone Maybe like Danisby Swanson. That'd be cool for him. Like he deserves to be there. but
1: And he will be, by the way. He's going He to be will.
2: There. Yeah. But like Ron DeCunha Jr. With the variety of ailments he's had. Nah, let him have a couple of days off. And maybe I'm a <laughs> Grinch. But uh, I am firmly rest your players over the All-Star game. Because, uh, I mean, the whole time you're just kind of hoping that nobody gets hurt. Uh, It is such a long season and having those four or five days to just do nothing mentally and physically, I think is really good for a lot of players. So we'll see. I'm guessing the Braves will have a a decent number of representatives as they should. Uh, But yeah, I'm not a big all-star game guy.
1: Yeah. And you know, Building on that, obviously, you know, guys who have never been there before, you want them to go there and enjoy it and do that stuff. But I'm kind of with you, especially on Acuna with the injury stuff that he's had this year. Uh, At bare minimum, I would be rooting or encouraging, if I am the Braves, uh, Ronnie to not be in the Home Run Derby. I'm sure he'll be invited to it. He is one of the game's brightest stars. But uh, I wouldn't necessarily want anything him doing anything that's not uh, normal behavior like that during the All Star game. I'm not like a zealot about it. You know, there's the whole like home run derby curse thing, which has kind of been debunked. Um, but I think that uh, I just would would not want to fool with it. Basically, so I don't know. We'll get into that later on if there's a weird omission or if a guy is starting that's a surprise or whatever. We'll get into Dansby later on this podcast because he's going to be there no matter what I think at this point. But um, that's kind of where we are. On that and the first returning, the first ballot returns came in. And I think there's like two more because the all-star game is like what, three weeks away, less than that. Uh, yeah. It's, pretty, it's yeah. pretty, pretty soon. So we're, we're getting up there uh, pretty quickly here. Um, all right, let's get into the two, what happened. Obviously as usual, we'll kind of fly through um, the early part of the week because Sean Coleman and friends have tackled all of this stuff for the most part, but um, some broad takeaways. Obviously they, they win the, they won the giant series, a four gamer and uh, hilariously the game they lost. They scored 10 runs. <laughs> uh, that's a wee. It's, uh, I wonder how often that happens in major league baseball. Uh, when you play a four game series and the one game you lose, you score 10 runs. That's yeah. got to be a bit of an outlier to search and maybe def- tough to find out, hmm. but uh, that's not a frequent occurrence. Let's just say,
2: I um, think it was, uh, if memory serves, I saw this from somebody. I think it was the first time the Braves have scored double digits and lost since that horrendous game at Wrigley Field in 2018 oh where they yes. played in a literal blizzard and I think they were up like <laughs> 10 to nothing in the fourth inning. And it was like, Oh, this is kind of cool. And then they ended up losing and everyone was like, you know, why the F did we just go through that? Uh, but yeah, I think it was the first time in gosh, four years now that they've scored double digits and lost.
1: Yeah. I'm looking that up right now. Uh, Cause I remember that game vividly and they, yeah, they lost, they lost that game 14 to 10 at Wrigley. And uh, I believe it was, it might've been 10, nothing. It was ten to two at bare minimum. It was they had an eight run lead. Yeah, it was that was insane. Uh, but yeah, this is a we we'll get into Tuesday in a second. But I, I'll, I'll just mention Monday was like kind of a ho hum win. Um, Max Freed was awesome as Max Freed is uh, want to be, and they win two one. It's like a very normal game. Um, Orlando Arcia, aka Joe Morgan, walks it off in the bottom half of the ninth inning, and uh, all is well with the world. And then Tuesday was just the complete opposite. Uh, Twelve to ten, they lose. They score seven runs in the first four innings, including uh, seven runs in a three-inning span, and lose. They hit four home runs, including two by Matt Olson, and lose. And uh, part of that was Strider was kind of bad. Uh, obviously, he was really good, actually, today, which is encouraging. But he was pretty bad, gave up six runs in three, two-thirds. The bullpen really imploded, uh, and the Braves took the lead in the fourth on a Ronald Acuna home run, 7-6. They lost the lead in the sixth inning, and then never led again. It was just like a complete barrage of offense. Sometimes that happens, but uh, for this team this year to lose one of those like slugfests is a little bit strange. Uh, I don't really have I mean, there's not really a takeaway from that game. It was like Strider just didn't have it, and that was a kind of a lost cause. But uh, when you had four home runs and score ten runs, you're supposed to win, and they didn't win.
2: Hmm. Yeah, it's funny looking back. You just, you just noted how how bad Strider looked: six runs and three and two thirds, uh, not around the strike zone my takeaway was, man, he's, he's had a couple of shaky starts here, but then he was phenomenal on Sunday against an even better Dodger lineup. So uh, I think that was encouraging. I think it alleviated any concerns and very clearly he's a young guy. Like we I'm, I'm guilty of it. I think a lot of people are, we just expect these young players because the Braves have had such an extensive recent history of players coming up 21, 22, 23 years old and immediately being successful uh, Strider's very clearly learning and trying to attack hitters multiple times, and I think Tuesday was was just a rough patch for him. But again, when you turn in the effort he did on Sunday night, uh, it's easy to forget about.
1: Yeah, totally agree. So you know you split those games, and uh, you know not a disaster. But you're playing a good team, et cetera. Uh, of course, they get the the two wins on Wednesday and Thursday, which we're going to cover in detail in a moment. Before we get to that, though, Scott, a word from our sponsors on the podcast today.
0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
1: Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. All right, Scott, let's get into the uh, more more fun of the weird games this week. And I would say Wednesday and Thursday both qualify um, as victories. They got a a 4-3 walk-off win on Wednesday behind Charlie Morton, uh, who is turning the corner, it seems. We'll come back to that in a second. But they didn't do a lot offensively. They go into the ninth inning down 3-1. Dansby homers then you get a a weird sequence of a single and a Matt Olson sack fly wild bill knocks in the run and then Adam Duval walks it off from there um you know kind of the inverse of Sunday night honestly in that you're you're down you're down 2-1 kind of kind of flailing seems like it's going to be a loss and then they they just kind of come alive and win one in pretty uh, emotional fashion it felt like like they were I wonder if they were spent, and we'll get into why I said that maybe in a second what about Thursday's game. They kind of punted the lineup on an afternoon game on Thursday. Um, but they were certainly fired up about that comeback win with good reason on Wednesday because that, that was a fun one.
2: Yeah, it was, especially when you have the bad taste in your mouth of Tuesday night's loss. You yep. come back the next day. Uh, Charlie Morton was great. You noted he, it seems like he has turned the corner uh, over his last three starts. He has 32 strikeouts and one walk. That is – That'll work. Yeah, that's, that's big-time Charlie Morton. Um, he's still – it seems like he has an inning each start where he's not even pitching badly. It just seems like the ball is just finding a patch of grass where nobody is standing. And um, Even in, in his start, I think, in Wrigley, he had some bad luck as well. So he's – he's. I don't want to know if he's back-back, but he, uh, he looks awfully good right now. Um, and as we know, if, if Charlie Morton is even close to the level he was last year – um, despite the early season struggles, if he's going to be, as we approach the second half of the year, uh, if he's good, man, this team, the way that Freed and the way that Wright are throwing the ball, you mix them Strider and Ian Anderson, who we should talk about in a little bit as well, but uh, really encouraging from Charlie and, and you're right. I mean, it was a big time comeback in the ninth against a good Giants team. Um, the Giants are a funny team. I, my takeaway from the Giants series was thank God they aren't in the NL East because playing, <laughs> Playing those guys 18 times a year would be incredibly annoying uh, because they don't have many big names in the lineup or in in their bullpen, but they just, they're really good at what they do and just kind of a pesky team. And to win three out of four was really encouraging.
1: Yeah. The Giants, without going down the whole rabbit hole here, like (laughs) the Giants are super weird. Like last year, famously, you looked at their roster compared to their record and like everyone was baffled. Not that they had no talent at all, but they were not a team. Uh, a year ago that you would have thought was going to win 107 games with their roster. Like it just did not look like a 107 win roster. Um, and this is kind of the same. I mean, they're, they're not as good this year on paper or otherwise, but they are just weird. Like, and they're good. They're effective. They're deep. Um, they're kind of just like creative. They have a great, they have a great front office by all accounts. It's like really you know, interesting. And, um, of course this year, their best hitter so far has been Jock Peterson, which is just like the most on-brand thing imaginable. Um, Former Braves legend, of course, Chuck Peterson. Um, but yeah, they're they're a weird team. I, I agree with you 100. I don't want to see them very often if you can help it. Uh, even if the Braves won that series by a three one margin this week, um, <laughs> we should mention the Thursday lineup. So I, I was I was poking fun at this, and that in that morning I was actually working. The lineup comes out. It's a twelve twenty p.m. Eastern Time game. For so if you're scoring at home, that's a nine twenty a.m. start for Scott. Uh, so I'm pretty sure the lineup came out like before you, you were even at work or even alive that morning oh, yeah. on Thursday. Yeah, that's, that was fun. Uh, so it comes out and uh, it's explainable by what we said a second ago. Like, it was a very emotional win on Wednesday, uh, comeback fashion, but it's a 12-20 game, a, uh, a, a businessman special, as they say. Um, and they come out with a lineup that does not have Ronald Acuna in it or Austin Riley in it. You're playing Phil Gosselin at second base. You're playing Arcea at third base. You're playing Ozuna in left field. You're playing Heredia in right field. Uh, very funny. Um, I didn't mind it necessarily because every once in a while, it's a, it's a great time to do it. It's a home game after a night game. Uh, after Sorry, after, afternoon game after a night game, all that stuff. I, I was not upset about them doing that. I just thought it was hilarious because that predictably happens and they score seven runs and win.
2: Yeah, I mean, the fact they won makes it all the better because it seems like whenever – We're good for a couple of these lineups every year where it's like, what on earth is this lineup? And then they win the game and then they roll out the regular lineup the next night and they lose by seven. Right. Like, it's very baseball. Uh, You're right. I mean, if we saw that lineup a couple of months ago with no context, we would be like, what on earth has happened to the Braves? Right. Like (laughs) where are half of the starters? Um, but they came out and you get a couple of days off. I think Austin Riley basically sat two days in a row, which was yep. nice. We, we mentioned Acuna sitting as well. Um, you know, longtime listeners of the podcast will know that we have lamented over the years the lack of days off for players. Like they'll just be in this horrible slump. And it's like, yeah, Duvall probably needs a day off. And they would just keep running him out there. Um, it's never a bad thing to give players a, a day of blow here and there. As you said, it was the businessman special day game after the night game. And hey, you won the game. That's all that matters.
1: Well, Scott, there's an obvious joke um, that Freddie's not on the team anymore. So guys are allowed to take days off. He's allowed, that people are allowed to take a day off this time. Uh, the enforcer is no longer on the roster. Uh, <laughs> the
2: enforcer. The like enforcer I, is not. <laughs> imagine Freddie with like a sheriff's badge, like in the locker room. <laughs> oh,
1: I, I actually do. I actually do envision that right regularly. Um, no, it's. I'm, we're kidding. I mean, we're, you know, we'll get into Freddie in a second, but I thought it was pretty funny. Um, but, yeah, that's a win. I mean, other than just like they scored seven runs, Dansby was just in a complete groove. We'll come back to him in a second. But he hit three home runs in a four-plate appearance sample uh, this week, which tells you all you need to know. Um, I will just point out there was one little drawback in on Thursday, and that was Kyle Wright. Um, not that I'm worried yet, but in the last two starts, Kyle Wright has allowed – 21 hits in 11 and two, sorry, in 11 and third innings. Uh, that's not what you want to see. Uh, he does have 14 strikeouts and two walks. That's a good, that's a good ratio, but uh, nine runs, tw- 21 hits in 11 and a third. There's been some bad stuff in there. Uh, I think there's very clearly, and that's not just us, th- us saying that as people that would like him to do well, uh, but are you at all concerned that uh, the magic might be wearing off bit? Of
2: hmm. Um, Am your I guy? concerned? After,
1: after, after all, this is your guy. I, I, I have to go to you first about this.
2: I I don't think concerned. I mean, I think Kyle was so good early on, like his, his traditional stats were terrific. I think, I I don't think he's quite that good. I think he was due for a little bit of regression. Um, As you noted, 21 hits, most of them have been singles. I, I should have looked this up. I think like 17 of those 21 hits were singles. He even acknowledged post game that the giants just hit him where nobody was. And, Uh, As we've said, it's one thing if a guy goes out there and he's given up three home runs in a start and it's like, uh oh, something's wrong. Um, So sure. Anytime, you know, 11 and a third innings, 21 hits, nine runs. Not great. Hopefully that corrects itself. Uh, 14 strikeouts to two walks is really good, really encouraging. Um, So you just not concerned. I think you just have to hope that Kyle finds it, not only finds himself, but just the baseball is going to find a glove at some point. Uh, It's funny, every now and then in the game, it gets talked about, oh, a team had three singles in an inning, but they didn't score a run because of whatever circumstance. And then in the bottom half, the other team hits one ball into the seats. And it's like, yeah, that's why everyone tries to hit a home run now. It's really (laughs) tough to hit three singles in a row with shifting and the way the pitchers throw and everything like that. Like it it is what it is. Hopefully it's just a blip on the radar because we know how, uh, how, how big of a step Kyle has taken this season.
1: Yeah, and I, I think the, num- the numbers still the, – like, the peripheral stats look fine still for Wright. Um, I think, as you kind of alluded to, they never painted the picture of someone who was going to, going to sustain an ERA of two or something like that for the, for the full season. But they look fine. Um, his stat cast numbers look fine. His underlying stuff, like, you know, FIP, XFIP, all, you know, expected ERA, et cetera, all look fine. Uh, and I think it's, um, you know, probably a little bit closer now to where his numbers actually are and maybe some correction there because of some luck. Um, for the season, by the way, still a 3.18 ERA, and that seems more reasonable than where he was earlier in the season. know, uh, anyway, I'm not concerned yet either. I just wanted to say that like he had, he had two kind of, um, not disaster starts, but like not very good starts in a row. So uh, maybe he was due for that, and we'll bounce back uh, this week. Um, that brings us to the weekend series against the Dodgers. Of course, lots of anticipation for this one for a lot of reasons, but number one being that Freddie Freeman – uh, returns to atlanta for the first time of course the braves played in la earlier this season but freddie gets his ring uh there was some discussion on the twitter machine about whether he'd be booed or not there was no way that was ever going to happen in my mind and it, it, did, it did not happen um maybe in the future maybe he'll get some booze but not his first time back that was just never going to <laughs> never want to happen um nor should it have happened by the way um but i mean i don't know what i don't know how much you want to get to on this but there was a lot of like even national discussion about like Freddie's, i think it was like a 13 minute interview that he did friday um where he cried basically the entire time uh and you know he there was some interesting kershaw comments and it seems like freddie uh, it was a little bit odd even if you uh, i think i'm pretty uh, i'm still like pretty pro freddie like i'm not a, i was not like melting down that he left in some ways certain Braves fans have like turned on him and i get, I get all that i can kind of see what you want to see with the freddie stuff now from the brave side of things but I, at the very least as i'd sort of tee you up here it's it's pretty odd in some respects, like you don't often see a guy, especially a guy still in his prime, essentially, who's still a, you know, an all star level player, kind of just, you know, say the things that he said about the Braves now, especially while wearing another team's shirts and jerseys and stuff. It's just very it's very odd That's what I keep coming back to. It's just like a not a normal situation. I'm, I'm not sure what to make of it or what to even say about it.
2: No, you're right. It, it's a weird situation. Like there, I thought there was some gray area when all of this went down a couple of months ago. And really, it just sounds like a, a half dozen folks were, I don't even know if at fault is the right word or phrasing, but it was a weird weekend. I mean, Freddie, for being so robotic over his decade plus in Atlanta, um, I mean, the man could barely say like three words without starting to choke up. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, have never seen anything like it in sports. I mean, have you, I, th- there's something to be said for a guy getting a little choked up or something, but it was, I mean, it was, it began with his press conference or or media availability beforehand where he walked in the room and then had to walk out immediately later. I mean, yep. this is, this is like Mark Bowman and Dave O'Brien that he saw and it caused him to <laughs> have to step away. Right. Like it's not like he walked in the Braves clubhouse and, all the fellas were lined up with, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, the
1: whole, the whole thing is, you know, and uh, I'm not sure if you saw, there was a, there was an E60 um, that they did about Freddie and his mom. And uh, he got very emotional during that too. Like Fre- Freddie is an emotional guy. Like, I think that's, we could, I think we didn't know that even though his baseball persona is very robotic, he is a very emotional guy, but at the same time, it's just, just uh, it's just, it, I'm not even judging it. It's just very odd. Um, especially because, you know if you're on his team and we sort of I sort of alluded to this second about like the Clayton kershaw comment like he said something like um we don't want to be second fiddle or something like or maybe i hope we're not second fiddle to the braves and it's it's like you're on you're on the dodgers now man like you can't i mean i get it on some level but it's just it's just a lot and you know braves fans i mean this is all anecdotal on twitter and things but like some people are very still pro freddy it's people like very like all right we're we're all set like we're not uh not emotional anymore about this yeah. like it was yeah. good to see him get welcomed in the appropriate fashion because honestly, it would have been, and this is me talking, it would have been pretty absurd if he had gotten booed or anything like that in his return. This is a guy who might be a ring of honor guy on, for the franchise. Uh, and like, you got to greet that guy with some, with some respect when he comes back. But you know, the whole thing is just a little bit strange and there was so much coverage of it. And honestly, I missed a lot of it. I was uh, even from afar, my brother got married this weekend. So I was very, very detached. Um, and even then, while like checking my phone very sporadically during this stuff, I was still like just barraged with even national accounts. And, you know, of course tonight they play on ESPN and um, that got a whole treatment again about the entire thing. It's just a very weird thing. I'm not even sure what the take is. It's just like, I wanted to point that out. It's just like not, this is not normal in any way.
2: <laughs> no, it's not. And, you know, I hope for Freddie's sake, he talked about this on Friday that this weekend was a long time coming He's been looking forward to it for months now, Uh, but I hope for Freddie's sake, because he was very clearly torn this weekend and it's hard to always know what's going through the mind of a professional athlete. Like you said, we forget they aren't robots. They are real people with emotions and feelings and family. And, and it was just, I hope for Freddie's sake, this allowed him to get some closure and to move on. As you said, he is a Los Angeles Dodger now for the next six years. Matt Holson is an Atlanta Brave for the next eight years. And I hope it allows Freddie a chance to get the recognition and all the love that he deserves from the fan base, from his teammates, from, from the media members. Um, but then close the book and, and move on. I hope, as you said, I'm sure Freddie will continue to get very warm ovations over the years, even if he is on arguably the biggest rival for the Braves in the league right now. Um, but yeah, man, it, it was an odd weekend to be sure. And um, just, just so many, just an interesting dynamic. And I don't know if we will ever get the full story on what exactly transpired in maybe that 72-hour window where it seemingly all fell apart with his agents uh, and Alex Anthopoulos. But man, it would make for one hell of a book, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, it's all very odd, and I mean, la- as sort of the last thing before we go back to baseball, where we are more comfortable, uh, it does seem like he just liked to be with the Braves. Still, <laughs> it's just this very weird thing. It's like, uh, imagine being his, imagine being his teammate in LA, and being like, uh, "I get it, man, but like you're on our team." You know?
2: Yeah, I uh, um, I have not heard the audio for what Kershaw said, like the quote went out I there. Haven't either I have it, it got picked, picked it. up, and yes. the way that somebody can, like, it could have been tongue in cheek. It could have been in jest a little bit, but I, I don't, I don't know. And I know we need to wrap up the Freddie portion <laughs> of the podcast, but like Clayton Kershaw is for one, he is the leader of the Dodgers. I say, he, he
1: is Mr. Dodger.
2: And he is someone who has been around the block. He is not a 21 year old rookie who has a bunch of reporters in his face for the first time. And he says something about a teammate that maybe he shouldn't. Um, I think the fact that that Kershaw was the one who said it to the AJC of all places might have been a subtle hint of like, okay, Freddie, like we we don't want to keep doing this. Like you're you're one of us now. Um, so yeah, when when the Kershaw comments came out this morning or late last night, whatever it was, uh, that was eye opening too. And it's uh, it is a fascinating situation.
1: It really is. Uh, alas, we will move on to where we normally are about baseball things, but it was it was very strange. Um, so they lose Friday in that game that was overshadowed by Freddie's return. You know, the only thing that I wanted to at least note is that Ian Anderson was not very great on Friday. The offense didn't do anything either, so it wasn't like he had any help, but allowed all four runs. Uh, but it was four walks, six hits into, in the four innings that he pitched. Um, you know, Ian, we've talked about a lot, so I'm not even sure what else I can like do to say. He's just not been – all that good um as a regular season entity over the last two seasons like he's been fine but he's not been great and that's been the case again this year his ERA is 4.6 he's walked more than four guys per nine and uh he can't live there I don't think in terms of being like a high 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 end guy but um this is a repeat in some ways but it's the Dodgers it's like you want to grade on the curve on some level the Dodgers are awesome so not, not a huge surprise but you know kind of a middling start again
2: yeah. We, you said we've, we've touched on Ian quite a bit. I don't want to beat him down because as you noted, pitching to the LA lineup is really tough. Um, Ivan at battery power had a really nice write-up before the game yep. that uh, the Dodgers just smoke change-ups and they smoke right-handed pitching. Ian Anderson is a right-handed pitcher who relies very, very much <laughs> yeah. on his change
1: specialist in some ways. So, yeah,
2: it is the worst possible matchup for him Um you know, since especially since the shoulder ailment last summer, I think he got hurt actually uh, the day after Acuna did, which is just funny in many ways. Just looking back on that middle of July last year for the team, and then what transpired over the following months. But since that injury, he has not been quite as good. The velocity's down a little bit, and I don't know. It, it's too bad. I think we all had high hopes for Ian. We're about halfway through, and he has not been particularly impressive, even if he has had a couple of really nice starts along the way. And I think you just have to hope that uh, thankfully for his sake, he's not going to face that lineup every single night. Uh, and you just hope that he's able to find some consistency.
1: Yeah. That's uh, all I got on that as well. Um, Saturday was a fun game in a good way for the Braves. It felt like a kind of a, kind of a playoff game in some respects. Um, I want to have a day of the conversation, um, which we could kind of just do now. I think um, he had kind of a weird, not great day on Sunday, but uh, Dansby hits, hits a home run on Saturday. Uh, we talked about him last week as well. And like I mentioned earlier on this podcast, even like him being an all-star is no longer like even a conversation. Like he's an absolute lock all-star unless he just, you know, goes over for the next three weeks. And even then he's probably going to be an all-star anyway and deserve it and deservedly. So uh, I'm going to let you kind of reveal the numbers here that we pulled, but uh, I'll just point this out coming into today it's not fully updated right now. He was in the top 3 in the National League in overall wins above replacement. Like Scott, he's an MVP candidate as of this moment. Like not 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 all-star candidate. I mean obviously he's that he's an MVP candidate in the National League as of June 27th. But that, that's where we are with Dansby Swanson. That's what he is. Yeah.
2: Well, and it's it's crazy to say that because you consider how poorly his season began. Like he was
1: setting records for strikeouts.
2: Yes. Like, like like 150 year old major league baseball record. For strikeouts, I think it, like, I mean, it's it's a credit to Dansby. It's a uh, his bank account, his future bank account is really thanking him because he picked a hell of a time to have a career year. And as you noted, he's it's not hyperbole to say that he is in the National League MVP discussion as much as there can be one at the end of June. Um, he is a lock for NL Player of the Month. Like it would be an injustice if he doesn't win. Um, I mean, he. Talk about a guy who uh, is putting it all together. And you have to hope he's currently, even as we sit here through, what, 75 games, he's already set a career high in war. Now, war is not a counting stat. It goes both ways. So, of course, if he goes over his next 50, it will come down. Uh, But either way, he is on pace to shatter every career high. He's already set a couple of career highs with, like, stolen bases, too. Um, So he's, he's having a hell of a month and really just a hell of a year, and it's good for Dansby. I think it's the season that we always hoped he would be able to have, and he has picked a really good time for it.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, even with um, a rough one today, his um, full season numbers, and this is uh, before we even get to anything else about his bat, like by all metrics, he has been playing elite defense at, the number one, at the number one position on, on the diamond at shortstop. And that, that provides a sky-high baseline. If you're a longtime time Braves fan, you might remember the Andrelton Simmons days where basically it didn't matter what he did at the plate because he was so good defensively. Um, Dansby isn't quite that, but he has been um, a top 10 defender in baseball conservatively this year. Uh, in addition to the fact that he is posting a 304-367-504 slash with a 142 WRC+. Uh, if Dansby is even a league average hitter, he is a three or four-win player. If Dansby is this hitter, he's a seven-win player, eight-win player, like that kind of player. Um, I think that we've been saying for a while that he probably isn't going to keep this up. I still believe that, but his June has been just ridiculous. And uh, while I don't think he will finish the season as a top five MVP candidate, uh, if you were voting today, he would have to be in your top five. The only guy with a definitively better Profile in the National League this year is Manny Machado in terms of the like advanced metrics and war, all those things. The only, there really there's really only one guy in the, in the National League that's been like in a different tier from Dansby as a hitter, and it's Paul Goldschmidt, um, who's been just out of his mind this year. I think he's got like a you know, 1050 OPS and 18 home runs, et cetera. But I mean, the fact that Dansby so far this season, as of this moment, I'm looking on fan graphs right now, um, among qualified hitters, he is uh in a tie for 10th in WRC Plus. Dansby Swanson is tied for 10th in the National League in WRC Plus. Plus, and I say in, in addition to his elite shortstop defense, that is a player that's an MVP candidate. It's just what it is. So
2: Yeah. And we know with Dansby, he's always been hot and cold. Right. Yes, like he two weeks. He looks like one of the best players in the league. We're I'm already, kidding. we're all ready for it, Scott. It's unfortunate. We're all ready for it in respects. And it is, but it's funny because I think we've done, I mean, we do this podcast every week and it feels like every weekend for two months now, we've been saying, okay, Dansby's probably going to cool down now. And he's, he's still chugging along. And as you noted, even if he is not like an other world MVP candidate, he is still a very good ball player. He's 28 years old, very much in the middle of his prime. And, um, you know, he, he keeps it going. I love him in the second spot right now. You talk about the lineup with Cunha at the top and even Michael Harris feeding into that. And then you have Dansby, too, Matt Olson, Austin Riley. Like it's it's a really good spot for Dansby to be in. And he is a big reason why. Again, we, we noted the Braves are 19 and five this month. Uh, he is a very deserving player of the month candidate. And I, I think it's just about a lock. He'll get that. He'll get the All Star game in some capacity as much as we. Uh, jokingly lamented it earlier in the pod. Uh, but yeah, hats off to Dansby. He's having a heck of a year.
1: He yeah, has. So we'll come back to that. If he's, if he remains an MVP candidate, we'll do more on that later on. Um, one more big picture thing from Saturday is that uh, you pulled this because I, I was totally out for the wedding purposes, but Dave Roberts said uh, about Max Fried that he believes he's the best left hander in the, in the game, which got me looking for stats. Uh, but w- what was your reaction when you, saw or heard that from Dave Roberts did you did you just snap agree with him before looking it up like what, what did you think when you when you heard him say that about, about Robby
2: yeah i went straight to fan graphs to look it up <laughs> which is very unbrand i think for a lot of baseball fans who are into stats um it's, it's not crazy to say i mean he's max is at the top of his game uh, he's had two tremendous starts against la this year uh, i think he had seven shutout in uh, on the road back in April and then, of course, was really good and just had some bad luck on Saturday night to prevent him from having a shutout. Uh, Max, if he isn't the best, I, I I don't know if you could name two or three guys who I would take over him. Carlos Rodon is really good. Uh, Clayton Kershaw, who sits in Dave Roberts' own clubhouse, is, is also really, really good whenever he's healthy and a couple others. But, yeah, if you want to tell me that Max is the best lefty in the game, I, I don't think it's crazy to say.
1: I mean, it's definitely not crazy. You can go through it, but the one that I pulled for our purposes here is that basically since the start of the 2020 season, which is you know two and a half seasons now, uh, worth of data, he is number six in all of baseball. Uh, this includes right-handed pitchers. Number six, in, number six in all of baseball um, in FanGraphs war, and number four in ERA among qualified guys. Uh, and the guys that he's behind are all right-handed so he is number one in major league baseball among left-handed starters in both fan war and era for three for the last three seasons yeah I, like if, that, look, if that's where if that's where you start like i mean i'm not telling you that he's definitively the, the, the best left-hander but that's a pretty interesting argument to make if yeah. you want to just go with the numbers like he's got the numbers so. uh,
2: i mean and he pitches like it too like I don't want to say that like Tony Gonslin, for example, came into the game tonight with an eight-no ERA and a or eight no ERA, eight-no record and <laughs> a one point five nine ERA. Yeah. He's good, but when you watch him pitch, like you don't think of a guy like him as a 1.59 ERA guy and undefeated. Uh Max pitches to what his stats show. I think he's even better because he had a couple of kind of those fluky first he lost his first two starts if you remember he lost to Mm -hmm. the reds and the nationals which is pretty funny looking back on it Uh, but on opening night he had a a couple of like bloop singles into nowhere that cost him the game and then same game with the with the nationals a a couple days later Um, so since those kind of first two fluky starts of bad luck he has just been as good as anybody in baseball and as we've said it's it's just fun to watch max pitch
1: yeah, it really is. So you know, we could do a whole deep dive on that, but uh, I think it's certainly not crazy. And I was just—I uh, wonder what people's reaction was to, that, to seeing the opposing manager say that. Because you know, opposing managers might just say some stuff uh, really nice about their opponents, and that's not—that's not out of the ordinary. But for uh, it to be you know, easily backed up by evidence is also interesting on some level. Um, other than that, you know, Saturday's game was fun. Uh, Dansby and Marcelo Zuna had the two-run game-winning home run, basically in the eighth to break a tie that was ended up being the victorious. Swing, and then Sunday's game, less fun. We'll go quickly, but we're recording this, um, so Sean's not, obviously, done the Daily Hammer about this game because it just happened. Um, a lot of good on Sunday until the very, very end. Uh, Spencer Strider was awesome, as we mentioned before. Uh, six innings, no runs, no walks, seven seven strikeouts. Um, they took a 2-1, sorry, 2-0 one sorry lead, uh, and they had a 2-0 lead, Scott, until there were two outs and no one on in the ninth inning. Against against Kelly Jansen, one of the best closures in the game. And at that point, uh, you have to say the Braves are uh in the 90th, 90 plus percent favorite range to win the game. And uh spoiler, alert, Scott, they did not win the game. So yeah,
2: it didn't tonight's go well. Game, yeah, tonight's game was a giant fart noise. I mean, <laughs> yeah, two outs and two strikes. Two outs, two well. strikes,
1: yeah, two outs three strikes and nobody on. That's his uh mm-hmm. his, his, his and, his and a
2: two-run lead. And Yeah, I mean, it was just—I mean, I I hate to cop out with "oh, it was just one of those games," but I mean, it really was just one of those kind of not even games, but just like two and a half innings. Like you get those couple of singles, um, and then you know the ball. Trace Thompson didn't even know where the ball was on his (laughs) on his game tying hit that clipped Matt Olson's glove. If Matt Olson is stepping a half is standing a half foot back, he catches it. Um, In the 11th, ball tips off of Austin Riley's glove. If Riley doesn't touch the ball, it goes foul. And and if he's standing a half foot back, he catches the ball. I mean, and both of them end up leading to runs for the, I think it was the game winning run and the, the game tying runs in the ninth. So it was just a tough game uh you really really would have had some good mojo going if you would have rounded out the week with a win to go five and two thankfully because they took care of business earlier you don't feel quite as bad but um that's a tough one and the mets lost on sunday as well it would have been a chance to get the deficit down to four uh but what can you do baseball it's a it's a cruel game sometimes
1: yeah you said that very well you know a couple just a couple plays here and there um Balls glancing off of guys gloves and uh, you know, I will say Michael Harris made two incredible catches in late innings on Sunday, just for what I'm reminding everybody that of how good he is. Um, so he kind of saved some damage potentially. And then, uh, you know, the Braves had a chance in the 10th uh, and didn't were able to pull it away. Uh, so, uh, they were able to come back at least um, after Freddie gave the Dodgers the lead. At least they didn't have that, that moment where Freddie would have won it for the Dodgers. They, at least they tied it after that. But, um, there was, there was an odd play that I don't really care that much about, but they they first of all, they used Mike Ford um, as a pinch hitter for Guillermo Heredia uh, during that uh, 10th inning rally, and he drew a walk. Um, I have a comment about Mike Ford in a second, but after that, uh, he was the trailing runner, and they ran for him in a tie game. Uh, I don't really understand that, to be honest with you. Uh, what am I missing here? What, why Why would they have done that? Maybe just because yeah. he was he he couldn't play the off one anyway, so they had to put Goslin in regardless. Is that what was that the thinking? I guess that was kind of had to be it, but I don't know, it was just a little bit strange.
2: Yeah, probably. I mean, I know they didn't want it, they'd already taken uh Marcel's bat out of the lineup with Guillermo for defense. And then I mean, yeah, I was a little surprised at first why they wouldn't use Goose, who is like decidedly fast um for Olsen at second, but then on yeah. the chance olsen doesn't score then you've got some weird dynamics and... but then
1: you have to play ford at first and i don't know if they want to yeah. uh there was lots of it was just a, again not a huge deal just kind of a strange thing so you end up at the end of the ending with uh, with goslin having to play right field which they were actually I, mean, I guess they were okay with enough to actually do it but they did that um not what you probably want to do in that spot also i, I made this <laughs> joke I, I made this joke on twitter but
2: yeah i'm, um, I'm laughing already just i know where you're going
1: <laughs> there is uh and i'm not making fun of of mike ford I promise, but ESPN. Uh, so it's a national broadcast, clearly, um, and they they panned to Mike Ford in the on deck circle before he hit, with no graphic and no mention of who it was. And I swear to God, no one knew who that was. I mean, there, there, there's no, I mean, not no one, because clearly, I actually oh. because I was I was doing I was doing podcast prep. I actually did think, you know, that's Mike Ford without knowing that's Mike Ford. I was like, I basically just thought, I process of, of elimination in my brain. I know what Phil Gosselin looks like which means I knew everybody else's face. I couldn't have told you what what Mike Ford's face looked like until then, but I knew it wasn't anybody else that I knew. So it had to be Mike Ford, if that makes sense. But there is no way that more than 1% of Braves fans knew who that was on site.
2: No way. No, no shot. Mike Ford could have been my waiter at dinner tonight, <laughs> and I would have had like, oh, you play for the Braves? That's cool. Hey, he drew um, a walk,
1: though. Shots to Mike Ford.
2: He did. He uh, intimidated Kimbrell out there. Future, <laughs> f- future, probably, like, second ballot Hall of Famer Craig Kimbrell got shook by Mike Ford, who looks... Mike Ford looks like a Mike Ford. Like, you know, sometimes guys Does. look like their names. Um, anyway, it's too bad the Braves couldn't uh, finish off the rally in the 10th, because... As we know, in the eleventh, things did not go up.
1: Uh We're gonna move on, I promise. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna cold ask you how old Mike Ford is. I know the answer now.
2: Um, oh my gosh, thirty. I don't
1: know. Oh, I was pretty close. He's 29. Hey, I, I hey. think I want to go. I think I want to go over based on just the face of Mike Ford. But you nailed it. So congratulations.
2: He's a he's a big boy. He's
1: a big boy as well. Yes, he is. Um, but yeah, you know, we talked about it. Just some weird breaks. Everything goes wrong. Uh, my only sort of strategy issue was the fact that they probably should have gone to Jackson Stevens rather than Darren O'Day in the 11th inning. Uh, just because Stevens has been like notably better than O'Day this year. So if you're going to start the inning with somebody, if you know, and the thing is, I thought maybe Stevens was like not available or something. They they brought Stevens in after that. So it's like, if you're going to use Stevens moments later, probably just go with Stevens to open the 11th in my mind. But uh, you know, it's, that's sort of a nitpick kind of thing, but just notable. I thought.
2: Yeah, I think in the in the extra inning situations, I don't know, man. I feel like Darren O'Day is like the automatic tenth inning guy, or in this case, eleventh inning. But I don't know his numbers. I was ready to like fire off like the Twitter (laughs) machine. Like, okay, we people people
1: were naturally mad about Darren O'Day pitching and not doing well, which I I guess I understand it, but.
2: Like his ERA isn't great. And, like, obviously, that's the leading metric to evaluate a pitcher. So it's, you can't just overlook his ERA, but his other numbers aren't bad. Yeah. Um, But the fact that he seemingly is like Brian Snickers number three right handed option in the bullpen is not ideal, Um, especially in a game like this. You, in extra innings, I think you want guys who are, a little better at striking out hitters just for the obvious reason of, if you give up a hit, you give up a run with uh, Rob Manfred, but uh, yeah, too bad.
1: Alas, um, no other takeaways other than, you know, they, you know, trade turners probably do at that point. That was the end of the game. Um, for the so, love
2: of God, that guy has to sign in the American league. As well, it,
1: it was funny. You know, I, our fearless leader Chris Willis was tweeting this as well, back and forth with, with some of the Dodgers guys, like, you know, Trey Turner is 0, 0, 0, 0 for 5 at that point. And every single person that watches the Braves knows that he's about to get a hit. Like everyone, everyone knew that was going to not. End oh him. yeah. Yeah. Uh, I Trey, mean... Trey Turner is perhaps the number one Braves killer in all of baseball. Maybe, maybe Corey Seager. I don't know. Uh, is Treasurer yeah, I mean, like the number one guy of, of like guys who are already awesome, but also kill the Braves. I think, might, <laughs> I think, it, I think he might be, I think he might be the guy, but am I, at least in my brain, I think I'd be more afraid of treasurer than like, like anyone in the world.
2: Basically, Yeah. I mean, he's up there for me. I mean, obviously being in, in Washington all those years, Bryce Harper just yeah, scares. Yeah, he's good. Like I just imagine <laughs> every time Bryce comes up, the ball is going to get hit 450 feet. Um, Garrett Cooper with the Marlins has turned oh into my like
1: God, what a pull that is. You're right though.
2: Babe Ruth against the Braves. I mean, if, if I had to put a million dollars on it, Garrett Cooper is getting a hit. Uh, but no, it's... The, and I looked this up, and then we'll move on. Maybe the wildest part of the entire Braves World Series run was that Trey Turner was six for 27 in the NLCS. Yeah, and I don't know. Of, of those six hits, half of them came in game five, which was the the blowout loss in L.A., like the yeah. Braves scored early and then I think had like one hit the rest of the way. So essentially, other than a blowout game five, Trey Turner had three hits in the five games of contest. Uh, that That's like a miracle. And uh, yeah, just another a uh, little fun fact about that World Series ride.
1: Yeah, and uh, Gary Cooper to your point um, has a 341 421, 508 slugging percentage uh, so that, that, that's a slash against uh, the Braves in his career
2: so Ooh, seems low
1: it does seem low but that's also way better than he ever is against anybody else so uh, maybe that's what it is as well uh so yeah we, we talked about this earlier but you know four and three week not so bad uh, 19 and five for the week sorry for the month uh they've they're still leading the uh, national league in home runs slugging percentage batting average and OPS for June. And they're also still number one ERA in the month of June, even with tonight. So not so bad so far. Uh, they are five games behind the Mets. The Braves are at this point. Um, they could have had, could have got it to four, but alas, that's where we are. Day off on Monday, and then a couple of road series this week. They play at the Phillies, and then they play at the Reds over the weekend. Uh, Philly has been quite hot recently as well. In fact, they are. Uh, In the same sample size, the Braves are 19-5. and The Phillies are 18-6. and So they've been right there, um, scalding hot. Uh, But no Bryce Harper, who is now injured for a while. Um, That's a big loss for Philly in a number of different ways. But he's their best player. So that's obviously a a downgrade for them. Uh, The Reds, I will say, are not good. But they have been like a 500-ish team for like almost two months. They were just like truly all-time terrible in April. So they're probably better than their record, but they're not – good so these are these are road series the braves are you know definitively better than the reds um i think they're still better than the phillies um even though if it's even if it's, if, it's on, if it's on the road i think that this is a week this is a week where again you probably have some advantages built in despite being on the road over six games but uh, i wonder what you sort of foresee because you know the uh the gap is five games and that's not nothing but it's also uh semi-manageable and uh by the way the mets Uh, just for record purposes, have uh, home games against the Astros and Rangers this week. The Rangers are not good, so that's notable as well.
2: Yeah. Um, You know, it's interesting. It seems like for as much – we're halfway through, and the Braves have played, what, four games against the Mets? And – There's a lot more coming. Six against the Phillies, I think. So, um, you know, to be 75 games in and to have – and I think one of – not issues, but one of the reasons for that is in the first week that got postponed, I believe one of those series was supposed to be against the Mets. So that that's why right. yeah. there's been so few games, but yeah, anytime you look at the division, you have to remind yourself, there are 15 games left with the New York Mets. So we have a long way to go. Hopefully the Astros do us a favor, win a couple games, uh, you know, against Philly, you noted no Bryce Harper though. Um, I feel like every time the Braves and Phillies play, they face Aaron Wheeler. Aaron Wheeler, Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. And they're going to see both of those guys this week. Um, they're also going to see Ranger Suarez, who's pretty solid. Um, and then with the Reds, as you noted, they're a bad team. They're a team that you should at least win two out of three against. But I believe, as fate would have it, the Braves are look like they will see both Luis Castillo and, and um, uh, Mali uh, as well. So it's, it's going to be a tough week, and hopefully – uh, six games. You you hope for a winning week and just keep on, you know, just keep on keeping on.
1: Yeah, and kind of quietly, uh, Aaron Nola has been really, really, really good this year for Philly. So that's a matchup where uh, I, I'm pretty confident at this moment that the Braves will be betting underdogs in two of the three games against Philadelphia because you play it, on the road if you face Wheeler, uh, especially without Freed being the opponent there, you're going to be the underdog in that game on Tuesday. I would I would imagine when it starts. And then Thursday is Anderson versus Nola. And I think on the road with Nola on the mound, it's going to be Philly favored in that game as well. That doesn't mean anything necessarily, but uh, just it's just for some context, like not the greatest matchups in the world in that series. Um, and you mentioned as well, you know, the, the Reds are using their best guys in that series as well uh, on the road. And again, they're, they're more competitive in my mind and in the numbers um, than their record indicates. So not a given that they're going to go out and win. Four games this week. Uh, Would it be nice if they could steal a couple of road wins here? That would be good. Um, After that, by the way, the Braves play, I believe it's 10 straight at home um, from July 4th to July 13th. So this is uh, their longest road trip remaining in the first half of the season um, is this this week's series, this week's uh, pairing of series. So interesting stuff.
2: Yeah, without looking it up, I would wager the Braves record in – uh, great American Ballpark is not good. Like over the last decade plus, even as the Reds haven't been very good, I feel like that's just a weird park. Do you f- do you have similar vibes? I don't know. Am I? I'm off trying on to that?
1: remember. I mean, I, I can think of some games that did not go well there. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of like there's like a lopsided it's, kind of nature thing there. I, don't, I can't remember really. And honest. it's such
2: a small park that you would think a team it's that a hits home for sure for a team like the Braves, especially this year that hits a lot of home runs. Hopefully, it plays to their advantage, and they can just hit some. Like again, it's like thinking about Adam Duvall's profile. He was the perfect player to play in that stadium because of his his not home run or bust, but for years his offense has been heavily reliant on home runs. Uh, anyway, I'm way off tangent here, but <laughs> as you said, it's very Eastern. late. Listen,
1: it's 12:40 a.m. Eastern, uh, so I'm yeah. I'm I'm dead to the world at this point. Um, yeah, that's where we are at this <laughs> point, and yeah. uh, we can wrap it up. I I just feel like uh, it was still a positive week, and that's c- it could get easily lost. I imagine it might get easily lost because it was a national TV, uh, not very fun result on Sunday, but uh, four and three against the Giants and Dodgers is always acceptable, basically. There's no scenario where it wouldn't be unless you just, you know, in in September had to go out and win six out of seven to stay alive or something like that. But other than that, uh, without without context, four and three against those teams, even at home, is uh, totally fine and solid. And, you know, 19 and five for the month uh, is a good spot to be in. And, you know, you're you're still facing the Mets. And uh, I I have faith in the Mets doing Mets things. Um, One final check-in before we sign off. At this moment in time, the Braves have, according to 538, a 79% chance to make the playoffs and a 30% chance to win the division. Does that seem low or high to you on either side?
2: Um, playoffs seems low. Divisional. I think the playoffs number sounds low just because I think fan graphs is a little bit higher. I was looking at it the other day. Playoff seems low. Division, I mean, if, if I had to bet every dollar to my name, I, I would probably go New York as of this, just because they have the five game lead and they, I mean, they're a good team. I'm not trying to be a Debbie downer. They're a good sure. team, but you know, f- again, 15 games, anything can happen in those and not just 15 games, but we, baseball is such a funny sport. We've played 75. Uh, what's that? Almost 90 games left that we still have to go for most clubs like that. that there's a lot of baseball to be played. Um, Yes, I would say, I mean, I I think this is clear. I mean, knock on wood, and I say this knowing what happened last July, knock on wood that short of just catastrophic injury, I I think this is a playoff team pretty easily. Um, I, I don't believe in, even if, even if they don't win the division and they're a wild card and really with, with the new wild card, there's certainly a benefit of being the one or two seed because you don't have to play that extra series, but Really, unless you're the one or the two seed, it, it really doesn't matter if you're the three to the six yes. uh, in terms of seeding. So um, get in the playoffs again. If any team knows that you just need to get in and play good baseball, really, it's not just the Braves. The Washington Nationals did it in 2019. Um, like you get the dance, you're playing well, you see what happens. Um, but yeah, I would, I would take the over. What was that number? 70, 79,
1: 79%. Um yeah, The only caveat there, I think I agree with you, is the fact that while there are three wild cards now, um, at this moment in time, the Braves are only two games ahead of the Giants who would be the first team out right now. So, like, that's a lead, but they're only two games ahead of the Giants and three ahead of the Phillies. So, like, there are, it seems like, at this moment, uh, there, are, there are five teams for three spots in the wildcard slash playoff race i mean obviously division stuff can count as yeah. well but yeah. um talking about the the padres braves cardinals giants and phillies right now those five teams in that order in the standings um would be playing for three wild card spots if you assume that the divisions will hold with the mets dodgers and brewers which is not which we shouldn't assume but it seems like there are probably eight teams for six spots Yeah, Uh, in terms of like realistic teams, like the Marlins are the Marlins are nine. And I think the Marlins are probably going to fade even more. So I think it's an eight team race for six spots and 79 percent seems right to me. Like, I think the Braves are better than the teams behind them. But, uh, you know, it's still baseball. and It's a two game lead with the half season to go. So we'll see. They they got they got they got to play well. And, uh, you know, as as good as they probably are in our minds, they're not going to go out and win 19 of every 24 games. So they're going to cool off as well. And we'll see see where the regression point actually lands, but run differential wise, they're right there. I think they're fourth or fifth in the National League right now. Run differential, like they're they're playing like like a good team, so that's where they are.
2: Yeah, I think you said it very well. Like, how it's it's alarming, maybe not alarming, but like the National League, as you said, there are eight good teams, and then. There is a huge drop-off. Like not yeah. even teams. Miami's that are, like
1: okay, I think. And then the teams below yeah. them are terrible, basically. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Miami just can't score. Your I mean, Arizona
1: your Arizona Diamondbacks are uh, currently uh 10th in the National League. Right. I mean that
2: right. You you look at the rest, like the Cubs are horrible, the Pirates, the Reds, the How, di- about, the, not, how, about, how
1: about the Nats with the worst with the with the worst run differential in the National League right now?
2: Well, and the crazy thing about the Nationals is they're probably they have pieces to sell, like they're gonna sell. Josh Bell, Nelson Cruz, anybody in that bullpen, like they might.
1: They've also allowed the most runs in the majors by a decent amount so far. So,
2: and they have. uh, Yeah. I mean, you talk about, hey, they won their World Series. Like it's funny. We always hypothesized if the Braves won the World Series and then were terrible for five years. And that's just so rare because obviously you have to have a really good team. But like the Nationals are living proof that. You need to get your championship because you don't know when your window is going to shut. Um, that window is shut and closed and slammed and super glued because they are going to be, uh, bad for a long time, I think, but
1: yeah, they, they won won the world series as a wild card team in 2019. And, uh, they've been below 500 the last three seasons. They were terrible last year and they're worse this year. So, uh, Yeah. Yeah. And we'll,
2: we'll see if they're fortunate enough this time to get two like transcending talents in the draft with, (laughs) I mean, right. Bryce Harper and Steven Strasburg back to back one, one picks. I mean, that just doesn't happen, especially in a sport like baseball. So, uh, because it's, we'll, we'll see how that this rebuild goes, but anyway, we're, we're, Deep down the rabbit hole at twelve forty-five in the morning. We are. We'll, the- we'll,
1: we'll sign off, Scott. Uh, anything to plug this week? If not, please look at people where they can find you if they're new listeners to the podcast, and uh, talk about your, uh, your your abiding love for something. Arizona Diamondbacks baseball <laughs> or something.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. Go Braves. Uh, yeah. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Scott Coleman fifty-five. BT Roland on Twitter, I believe, is that is, is your handle. Correct. Battery power. Lots of good stuff. Be sure to follow the staff. Uh, really do appreciate you guys tuning in. It's a lot of fun, especially when the team is playing so well. And um, glad to be on with you, Brad. And and hopefully you were able to get some sleep after you, you live a uh, you live a busy life, my friend.
1: Ah, uh, this was a particularly wild one. Uh, my brother again got married on Saturday. I was the best man, which means rehearsal dinners and weddings and family in town and best man speeches and all those things you have to do. Uh, it's just part of the part of the fun. So yes, I'm a little bit. A little bit out of gas at this moment in time, but uh, yeah. Please follow Scott on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter if you'd like to follow the site at Battery Power SBN. Please subscribe to this podcast. And which you get an entire podcast network. In fact, it now has four shows for the price of $0. You have this show, the flagship with myself, Scott, and Eric Cole most of the time. And then you have Daily Hammer with Sean Coleman talking about the uh, sort of the bite-sized stuff on, daily, on a daily basis. You have Road to Atlanta with Eric and the minor league crew. And then a newly launched podcast with uh, our friends Chris Willis, the fearless leader of the site overall, and Stephen Tolbert doing a little bit more of a deep dive on a topic or two each and every week. So we're blowing it out on the podcast network. subscribe apple spotify stitcher etc with all that said thank you listening we'll see you next time